Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. Well, I do want to welcome you, especially those of you visiting for the, uh, the first time. We'll make room in there. Make sure you get them on in. Awesome. Great to have you. Did you have your fill of the grill, would be my guess. Some of you have uh, too many hot dogs, and uh, we hope that this time actually will be nourishing to you in a different way. Um, we are going to be celebrating our summer communion uh, celebration, and we're taking a very creative approach to communion. They kind of say that our generation is the YouTube generation, and really our theme today is when Jesus' church goes viral. Now, if you spend any time on the internet, YouTube, or Google video, you know what the word viral means. You know what the word viral means? It doesn't have to do with like sickness or something like that. A viral, like a viral video. It's a phrase that's used to describe like the most popular videos on the internet that people like forward to all their friends and family by emails. Some of you are guilty of this. You know, you spam me with all your like, like you got to see this, you got to watch this kind of thing. And, um, and what happens is they, they capture the imagination and you begin forwarding the family and friends and stuff. And they're typically stories or videos or news accounts of unusual happenings um, that capture the, the, the imagination. And then it goes viral, meaning it spreads like a virus from like user to user. I'll give you an example. This viral video, for instance, has been actually viewed over 17 million times on YouTube. You know, they say this, this little intranet thing is going to change the world. Um, that has been viewed, human genius, over 17 million times. It's gone viral. You, 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 something about it captures you and you pass out. Oh, you got to see this kind of thing. And, you know, kids falling off bikes, adults walking into glass doors, any bride who falls down. It's like that, that kind of stuff gets out there. But if you cut through it, you realize it taps into something primal uh, in us. I remember the first viral video I ever got was these two Chinese kids um, somewhere across the world in their bedroom singing the Backstreet Boys. Do you remember this? Uh, I, I want it that way. These two, yeah, you remember. Do you want to get Give it a shot. Stand up. Uh, you know, it was amazing because these two kids 
in, 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 in China, in communist China, in their bedroom going, you are my fire. And it got 31 million times that was downloaded. And so these obscure anonymous kids now become, you know, worldwide uh, sensation. What I wanted to do is take a look really at what happened not two years ago, but 2,000 years ago when the church went viral. Because there was a moment in the New Testament when things literally went viral or spread like wildfire across networks of friends throughout the globe. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you take your Bible, open up with me to Acts chapter 2, and, um, and we'll color this in together. Um, Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Acts means like, hey, this is the Acts actions, this is what they did. After Jesus had been crucified, he was raised from the dead, and then he said, now I am, I'm leaving, I'm going back to heaven. They said, no, well, you can't go. And he said, no, I'm leaving, and you've got to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. In other words, this thing's got to go viral. They said, but you can't go. We can't do this thing. He says, no, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. We're, you're going to see this thing's going to go viral. And, uh, and what happened here is the early disciples began preaching this new news about that there's this new life in Christ, that he not only forgives our sins, but he can raise us to new life. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 38. It describes it this way. The main message Peter kind of gave her, he says, repent. In other words, think again, turn in a new way and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, you believe in Jesus. He's going to clear away all the damage in your life that the relationship with God restore you and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day. In other words, Peter preaches this message about Jesus. He dies and rises again for the forgiveness of sins, and boom, the church literally goes viral. 3,000 people in one day, boom, instant mega church. Now, that's a lot of downloads, okay? They didn't have the internet, but it was like 3,000 people. All of a sudden, it was like everybody. Now, here's the question. What caused the church to go viral? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, this is the first century, and, you know, the Holy Spirit is kind of like a special thing, and like it was kind of, boom, magic. Not so much. If you look at this, it's not great preaching that caused this message to spread. Flip over to Acts chapter 4. Flip one page over there. You're going to see this. It says in verse 32, Acts 4, 32, it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And what? Let's read it together. Much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those people who owed lands or houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. As he had need. What caused the church to go viral? At the heart of it, it was not great preaching or like a good ad campaign. At the heart of it, there was this new way of living and loving others called grace. All the followers of Jesus realized, oh my gosh, we have been embraced by God in the midst of our brokenness, our sins, our faults, our failing, all the spiritual fractures in our life. And he has embraced us and made us sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. And it touched them in such a way that they came together and welled up this generosity of heart, that they came together in unity and were like, we've got to start like spreading this to other people. And together, they, they massed their land, their homes, gave it away, and, and they were like, let's wipe out poverty. Yeah, let's do that. High five. And they wiped out poverty. And all of a sudden, people who had been in like organized religion, Jewish people, Gentile people who like knew Greeks and gods and, and, and goddesses but didn't really know, they observed this thing and they were like, you got to see this thing. They're like these 3,000 people that they're whack. They're something totally different about these, these, these Christians, these Christ followers. 
something so compelling, so attractive, so unusual about how they live that other people took notice and were like, you got to see this. And they pass it on through networks of friends and the church literally goes viral. 3,000 people in one day. Boom. And what was the heart of the message? Verse 33 says, with great power, they talked about the resurrection of Jesus, that he is a living God. He wants to move into your life, change you. And much grace was upon them all. Grace, the heartbeat of their message. Now, grace is a word that we use in church a lot. If you're new, you, are, you know, maybe you know like amazing grace. You saw that movie or something or, or we sing your grace is enough. But what does true grace really look like? Uh, most people know it refers to like the, the love of God in a general sense, but it's much more than a feeling of just like, you know, and now everybody gets along because we love God. No, grace is this radical kind of love that you just don't see in the world. And, and you see, when you experience grace actually in your life, it's supposed to have the effect of going viral. It's supposed to actually infect you and, and, and you look to infect others with its otherworldly kindness and literally it has the power to change lives. Now here's the deal. Put your finger in your Bible because uh, I want to show you what I'm, I'm talking about. Grace is much better experienced than explained, okay? So as we come together to celebrate communion, I want to help paint for you a picture of three different kinds of grace. I want to talk about common grace, human grace, and divine grace. And, and what I want to kind of do here, we, we, we spent the week kind of thinking about how we do this kind of, and show you the top viral videos of the modern web to, to, to show what this is about. Um, grace is a funny thing. Uh, on its most basic level, it's like saying, hey, someone who actually doesn't deserve anything, they've done nothing to earn, they don't have any natural talent or anything, they are blessed in an extraordinary way by God. Grace is God's common gift to humanity. You see this in creation. You woke up this morning. It's, it's sunny. Okay, a little bit humid. It's, yeah, a lot of humid. Sun, there's air. You're breathing. Wow. I'm alive. Grace. Yes, God provides this for your good. You see the flowers blooming. You're like, oh, that's beautiful. Grace. Lightning bugs in the backyard. The kids are chasing around. Beautiful. You see it in music and art. It doesn't even have to be religious. God gives common grace to every man and woman who walks the face of the earth. You see it in his beauty and in, in, in his care, his excellence. You sense that, oh, God's in the details of this grace. And that's really interesting because you see very inoften, um, infrequently, special examples, though, when God's common grace touches down and it, and it stirs something up. When he reaches down in, in a very unique way and all of a sudden the way the world typically works, it all gets inverted. And if you throw out all the silliness and the junk on YouTube, honestly, you will see some shimmering examples of common grace among the top 20 viral videos. Uh, perhaps my favorite is actually a home video that captured a stunning example of common grace at a high school basketball game. Uh, some of you may know this. It is the uh, story of Jason McElwain. He is a boy who was born with autism. Actually suffered his, uh, his whole life from autism. Most of his life he was, he was left behind, always last, left out. But he was a huge hoops fan. And so at high school they actually let him be the water boy of the high school team. And he would go to all the practices, supply all the players with water, wipe the courts down and everything, you know, just kind of the water boy guy. And, and so senior year though they said, you know what, we should let Jason, uh, who never played a minute in his life, we should like let him suit up and sit on the bench. Wouldn't that be like be a nice thing to do, for, you know, kind of help him. And so they did that. And then they were losing by a, by a pretty decent score. And so the coach said, you know what? You guys think we should do it? Yeah, we'll put him in for a couple minutes. This will be like the highlight of his life. So they let the autistic water boy, Jason McElwain, play a couple minutes in, in the final game of his senior year. And what happened in those final moments was an example of extraordinary common grace. When God reaches down to bless someone who doesn't expect it at all. Jason McElwain was at practice today doing what he does every day. As a student assistant, he helps out the team. But all that changed on Wednesday night. 
That's when Coach Jim Johnson decided to give Jason his shot to suit up and play. He said, this is your senior present. This is your last, last chance to ever get on the floor as an actual basketball player for that night. Jason, or J-Mac as he is known, is medically diagnosed as highly functioning autistic. He's also loved by his teammates and fellow students. That's why they came to the game with his face on signs. And when he entered the game, they went crazy. My emotions started running wild. I actually sat down and I, I started to tear up. And I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Jason got in the game, took a pass, and took a shot. He missed badly. First possession, he gets the ball, he shoots the an air ball. He misses like by six feet, and I put my hands in my head. I'm like, please, Lord, just get him a basket. One minute later, he got his hoop. A three-pointer that set the gym on fire. I was very excited. Uh, the team was excited. Um, everybody else was excited. But J-Mac wasn't done. He kept shooting and kept hitting. Another three and another three. I was on fire. I was hotter than a pistol. When he was done, he had hit a team record tying six three-pointers. The crowd stormed the court and put Jason on their shoulders. It was one of those special moments that, as an athletic director, if I retired today, this would be the one thing that I talked about forever. Jason's playing career is done, but his celebrity continues at school. Everybody, I was late to every single class. Every, everybody was saying congratulations. So you got a superstar on your team now. Yeah, he's like a celebrity in school. He's loving every bit of it, too. You see him smiling all the time. In Rochester, New York, this is Mike Catalano reporting. I love that. I was hotter than a pistol. That's like, well, he's like, you got it, man. Uh, kid doesn't play a moment of his life. He's autistic. He's been sitting on the bench his entire life, a symbol for, for every, everything that, that he's never had. And, and he has this moment, six consecutive three-pointers from last to first, and he's carried off as a hero's welcome by, by his classmates. And there's something in your heart when you see that goes, yes. There's something like right about that. Like, yes, the last will be first someday. This kid who's gotten short shrift his whole life is elevated first. And, and that's Cobbins' grace. It has nothing to do with Jason's ability or, or his natural efforts. God just reaches down and goes, twink, and touches them in grace, and something goes viral. Common grace. Now, that's something that you can't predict and, 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 and just kind of goes on in the background of our lives. But the second kind of grace is human grace, and that's a little bit different. Because it typically requires a human to decide to show extraordinary kindness or compassion when the world expects the opposite. Uh, the viral sports story that you may have seen uh, on, on YouTube with a softball player named Sarah Tukolsky from Western Oregon State uh, illustrates this. It was an amazing thing because uh, her last bat, she never hit a home run. And uh, you can throw that up there, Suze. She's never hit a home run in her whole life. She's 5-2. And uh, in her last at-bat, last game of the season, she actually, her team's losing 2-1. Two, two people on, and this 5-2 girl hits it over, over the fence. But as she's rounding the bases, she goes past first base and tears her ACL rips her ankle, crippled, falls down between first and second, crawls back to first base, but they're faced with a, a question because her teammates actually said, can we, can we get it? You have to touch all the bases for this to count and our team to actually win and go ahead. It, but they're not allowed under rules to carry her around the bases. So she'll either be out or she'll just have to just sit there on first base. And the question is, what would you do if your opponent, your sworn enemy was crippled 
but you had an opportunity to show incredible human grace. Alongside such unforgettable home runs. The setting for this one was a bit different. In a small town in the middle of Washington State, on a field inside a chain-linked fence, in a game fewer than a hundred people saw. A home run memorable not for the distance it traveled, or the game it decided, but for the meaning it carried. The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon. Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship. As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolsky's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed. I hit that pitch and it just went. <laughs> and we're just cheering and the runners are cheering us around the base to head home. And then I'm going, where's Sarah? In her excitement, Tukolsky failed to touch first base, so she quickly turned back. Her pivoting leg just didn't pivot with her, and I heard her kind of yell, and she just dropped to the ground, and I was like, oh no. Tukolsky, with a torn ACL, crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have on her team would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a called, called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't... I said, thank you so much. We asked her, she's like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say, yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Liz Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky, stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. Be associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tukolsky. 
Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, 4-2. to two. Sarah Tukolsky lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory. Made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. Would you be willing to, when your opponent, your enemy, is crippled, carry them when it costs you everything? This is more than sportsmanship. This is why this has been viewed 20 million times on ESPN and YouTube, because it's unexpected. You don't see it in the world, that kind of sacrificial compassion and love. You carry your enemy around the bases and lose the game. What is that? See, when the world sees that, they say, this is, this is not how the world works. Yeah, that's how the kingdom of God works. And this is what happened in the early church. All of a sudden, everyday normal people who were touched by the grace of God said, I'm going to start living this way too. And it exploded in this like radical generosity. They actually helped each other. They pooled their resources. They lived with compassion. These people are sick. They, they don't even have homes. Let's pull our stuff together. Give it to them as well. And they, they wiped out poverty. And as people in the stands watched these new Christians, grace literally went viral and it spread. And more and more people came to know Jesus and adopt this new approach to life. Acts 11 describes it this way. Look at this. It says, News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. All of a sudden they saw it. And they sent Barnabas and Antioch. And look at verse 23. It says, When he arrived and he saw the evidence of what? The grace of God. He was glad. And what was the result? A great number of people were brought to the Lord. What marked the early Christian church? What was their defining characteristic? What struck people? Like what? When they saw it? Evidence of the grace of God. And what was the natural effect? A great number of people came to Jesus. It went viral again. They experienced it and then they, they passed it along to friends and you forward it to your friends and they taste grace and all of a sudden they, they're like, whoa. And they show the kindness of God to others and they forward it on and so on and so on. See, early church folks was known for this out, viral outpouring of God's grace and grace, God's unmerited love and kindness. When it's seen by outsiders, when it comes out of your life and flows out of the love and the grace you've received from God and you flow into the life of your enemies, it goes viral. As we come to the communion table today, and, and these are really, these are the symbols, the elements of, of, of God's grace. How close is that grace to you? Is it something that's abstract in your head? Is it something that you have tasted recently? Maybe you've needed it for yourself. God could embrace me and my brokenness. I feel a million miles away. Would he really accept me as I am? I've got all this, 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 these issues. Or maybe... You've had that for yourself, but could I show grace to my enemies, to my opponents, to my family? I just had a blow up with them yesterday at the picnic. You weren't there. They were horrible. You know, gosh, what would we like to live virally with God's grace at the center of things? Folks, grace is the heart of God. Now, now we haven't gotten to the essence of divine grace yet, what that really means, like the sacrifice and, and, and God's, God's grace. But we want to just take a moment for you to reflect a little bit and respond to this kind of love because it's very different than human love. And we're going to sing a couple of songs. So I want to invite you just to stand. And David and team are going to lead us just in a couple of, of lyrics that will talk about the grace that we are talking about right now. You have my heart. I am yours forever You are my strength God of grace and power And everything 
So you make time for me I can't understand Praise your God of earth and sky How beautiful is your unfailing love Unfailing love And you never change God You remain the Holy One And my unfailing love Unfailing love You are my
Thank you for love that never fails, is always radiating at us, whether we choose to see it or acknowledge it or not, Father. That is your essence. It's grace. We come to you empty-handed now, Father, and ask to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. When the lyric says, um, your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed but alive in your hands. Grace literally means that we come to God um, with completely empty hands. Say, I have nothing to offer you. Even my best efforts, religiously, they fall short. You come in a state of weakness. And there, in the midst of our our sin, our spiritual disability and our brokenness, God picks us up and embraces us just as I am. He loves us exactly as we are, and yet he loves us enough not to let us stay that way. He wants to change us. But he embraces us out of divine compassion. And and grace says, this is amazing, because grace says, there is nothing you can do to get God to love you more than he already does right at this moment. And and there's nothing you can do, no failing, no sin, no brokenness, that you can do to get him to love you any, any less. In sending his son Jesus, he already perfectly loves us as much as a perfect God is capable of. But we have to be honest about our, our, our need. See, a torn, a torn ACL, that is a physical disability. Autism, mental, emotional one. But spiritually, each of us, according to Scripture, is disabled in a sense. We are in need of outside and unexpected, and undeserved kindness. And in fact, it comes at a very steep price. Because in sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross, we learn that grace cost God everything. His one and only Son, Jesus. I mean, this is, divine grace is very different than common grace or, or human grace because those are warm and wonderful examples. But the grace of God is like much more fierce. It's very unnerving because it's something else. You don't just sacrifice when someone needs help. But when God decided to sacrifice himself, he did so for his enemies. What do you do when somebody really sins against you? I mean, they're dead to rights. There is this incredible news report on NPR that showed, I think, the heartbeat of divine grace, what it means to love one's enemies or one's... Who, who, it literally transformed them with extravagant love and, and forgiveness. It's called a mugger who is mugged by kindness. This has gone viral. It's been downloaded 10 million times on NPR's podcast. I'll tell you why. There's no video for this, but it's about an average New Yorker, 31-year-old guy. His name is Julio Diaz. He's a social worker, lives actually in Queens, and every night he takes the, whatever it is, the, the number six train home and, and goes out for, a, to, for dinner, a late-night dinner at a diner close to his apartment and, and, and does that every night. And, and one night, this is last, I think, January, this winter, he was getting off the number six train very late at night, and, uh, and as he stepped off, there was a youth waiting for him a teenage kid and, uh, and he saw him and he said you know kind of looked kind of shirky and everything and sure enough he followed him up the platform to the stairs and everything it was just him and the kid the kid pulls out one of those crocodile dundee knives you know those like six inch buck knives and he says give me you know give me your wallet give me everything and, and he said well you know obviously he goes i just you know i took out my wallet and handed it to him and the kid starts backing away going up the stairs and he said wait 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 hold, hold on hold on just a minute you forgot something come here if you're going to be robbing people in the cold all night you might as well take my coat keep you warm 
And he unzipped his North Face parka and said, here, take this. And the kid goes, wait, what are you talking about? He goes, and you look at those shoes. Those are ratty shoes. You need to take these. And he took off his, not flip-flops, they were Timberland boots. And, uh, and he said, take, take, take these too. And he started disrobing and, and handing this to, to, to the kid. And the kid was like, wait, what, what, what? And, and he said, if you're willing to risk your freedom honestly, like for a few bucks, he goes, then I, you probably need the money. And I mean, I was just going to go get dinner. And, and if you want to join me, you're, you're more than welcome. And, and, and the kid said, okay, but I'm taking the jacket. And he put the jacket on <laughs> and went with this guy to this, this diner that he goes to. And he's known there by all the dishwashers because he's extremely, you know, friendly to them and everything. And he goes and they said, hey, hey, Julio, Julio, Julio. And he's like, yeah, this is my, this is my friend, you know, with, who's your friend? Oh, he's just a, a buddy of mine. Oh, okay, well. And they sit there and they go ahead and they, they, have, they have, you know, dinner. And, and he orders all sorts of stuff. And, 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 you know, the dishwashers come by. They came out of the back because they know Julio and everything. And, and he said, why, why do all these people, you know, react to you like this? You're like the mayor of the town. And so, well, because I, because I, I love them. They're my friends, you know. And, and he goes, I, I don't understand this. People don't, don't, don't live like this. And he goes, well, what do you live for? And he said, well, I, I just live for the next hit. I mean, that's why. I, and anger was silent because he realized, oh my gosh, I'm robbing this guy who's taking me out to dinner. <laughs> and the bill comes, and and, and and Diaz looked him in the eye, and, and he said, well, I, I, I would love to take you out and, and treat you to dinner, but. Um, since you have my wallet, uh, you know, I, and the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and he slides his wallet back to him, he says, actually, that's, that's not the only thing I want back, and, and the kid goes, uh, and he starts unzipping, he goes, no, keep the jacket, he goes, I'd like your knife, and the kid had a knife, and he pulled it out, and he said, I'll pay you for it, and he hands him $20, and the kid slid it across the table, and said, things could be very different for you. He goes, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this, but I actually love you. I care for you. I'm guessing you're out here because you don't believe anybody really does. And in that moment are all moments, and the, the kid left, and, and, and the NPR story gets involved in some other details, but the headline was, a mugger gets mugged by kindness. When sinned against, responding with this radical forgiveness and compassion that is called grace. It literally has the power to change a person's entire trajectory their whole life. Folks, that's, sorry, it's downloaded 10 million times. That's why the early church went viral. Because those Christians didn't just believe in their heads that Jesus was God. They literally lived and loved in his footsteps, in his spirit. Grace is about God's heart for us. I mean, you may feel like you've never understood what sets Christianity apart from all world religions. And it is that. It is divine grace. When God sent Jesus to take, to, to sacrifice him in our place so that we could live, that is the heartbeat of grace. While we were yet what? Sinners, enemies of God. Christ died for us. When we're holding the knife, Christ sacrificed a lot more than his money in his coat to, t- to take us out to eat. He literally gave us his flesh, his body broken for us, his blood spilled out. That's literally what these elements are in, in communion. They are the symbols of grace. When you are at your worst and you have nothing to offer me and in fact living in total offense and ignorance of me, I give you this, my body broken for you. And when you are living so far from me that you, you, you actually wish that I wasn't even on the radar because maybe you have anger against God and maybe you, I will do this, I will spill my blood to show you how much I love you and embrace you in that. My body, my blood broken for you. 
Every time you drink this, you'll remember me and you'll be renewed with this radical love called grace that you don't see anywhere in the world except in my kingdom. That's when Jesus instituted communion with his 12 disciples. And it went from 12 to 50 to 300 to 3,000 to the ends of the earth. Because when you truly taste grace, when you experience it yourself, it will have the effect of going viral. It's supposed to infect you and you actually overflow and you want to pass it along. This is literally the story of Acts. In, in chapter 14, two apostles named Paul and Barnabas went to Iconium and there it says they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles, in other words, people who, who knew religion and people who had no religious background, they believed. And Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed what? The message of what? His grace. What was the central message of the early church? The message of God's grace. What was the effect when it, when it touched people? A great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. It was viral. It spread because that kind of thing doesn't happen in the world. Good people don't die for bad ones, do they? How about a perfect God sacrificing himself? I mean, what kind of God, when faced with the infidels, dies in their place? Only the Christian God. If you want to go to heaven, in Buddhism, there's an eightfold path that you need to follow. Islam has a strict code of law. It's about how much you do. You have to earn your way. Even Hindus have karma. What goes around comes around. Only Christianity dares to make the claim that God's love is a gift, free of charge, unconditional, no strings attached. There's nothing you can do to earn this. You can't be good enough to get it. It's given to you as a gift. And only you have to admit your need. A perfect God can accept us in the midst of our sin and brokenness because he's paid the debt himself. That's what communion symbolizes. It is the high price of a God who is sweetly broken and poured out for you. I don't know where you are, no matter what you've done, where you've been, you may feel close to God, far from him. But Christ will accept you at this table. As we come to communion here to the front, you, you can be renewed. You can be washed not only of your sins, but actually, God, I need grace to show grace to the people in my life who I can't forgive, who I can't love, who I don't have no compassion for. I need that. What is your need today? What's your, what, what is your need? What aspect of grace? And maybe you're hearing it again freshly for the first time you've been following for a while. Maybe you've never made that decision. Let's bow our heads. I'm just going to give you a few minutes to pray. Talk with God. Scripture says just talk with Him, inspect yourself, tell Him where you're at. He already knows, by the way. Father, we come to you offering nothing right now. We realize, though, you're offering us everything. Thank you for Jesus, for His body, His blood, the gift of love which changed humanity forever. We come to you now in humility, with just honesty. We admit our need.
have invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, you're welcome at this table. If that's not something you're not there yet, totally okay. You can just come through and pass through the line and and, and not partake. We're just thrilled that you're here and you're our guest. But we're going to begin with the the first rows here, and you're going to come out to the center aisle, and we'll work our way back. And you can simply take the piece of bread and dip it in the the grape juice. This is not wine, sensitive to those uh, of our family who are in recovery, and and, and take that and, and, and take that and uh, Go up the side aisles as we continue in worship, but remain standing for worship and celebrate. This is really a communion celebration, which means we come to it solemnly, but when we receive it, it sparks something joy in us that we don't have in the world can't produce. So let me pray for us, and we'll begin with these first uh, few rows here. Lord, thank you for these gifts. This is your body, your blood broken for us. We are so grateful. We are in your debt, and you love us. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Amen.
So I pray now for your people, Lord God. Jesus, would you fill us anew for this week, Lord, whether we go back to work or school or family or 
home, whatever it is, Father God, we want to we be viral. We want your grace to touch us in such a deep way that it can't help but flood out too. So do that by your spirit and for your fame, your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Please be seated. This is why the early church spread. There's no other explanation for it. Grace is viral. And when we come to the table, we're just reminded that it is supposed to change our lives and it's supposed to infect us and, and instead of, we, we live in a different way. You, you, we don't suffer under the weight of judgment anymore and you can actually be free to, be, to live with freedom, honesty about who you are and what God's doing because you have confidence that not only are your sins forgiven but, but the love of God is repairing you, is changing things on the inside. And, and, and now his love is available actually for you to spread to others. We no longer have to respond with retaliation and hatred when we're wrong, but actually even treat our enemies with forgiveness and grace. And you, and you, can, and you can live with joy because you understand that not only did Jesus conquer sin and death on the cross, but when he was raised to new life, he made a promise, I'm going to return and set everything right. Everything right now is upside down. The kingdom is going to set it right, and the first will be last, and, and those who are broken will be restored and healed. And, and that's incredible news. Um, in the book of Revelation, we're given a glimpse of what it looks like when Jesus returns, and, and it says that he will wipe every tear from their eye because pain and suffering will be no more. The old will be gone, the new will come. And, and catch this, it says, it will go viral. Here are the words it uses. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, the, every place where, where language is spoken, the grace of God will flood and be revealed that this is what God's heart is like, that Jesus Christ, the God of grace, he's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. And then this party is going to begin. <laughs> because our sorrows then turn to joy, and, and the way the scriptures talk about it is that our mourning will turn to dancing and gladness and spread to the ends of the earth. That's incredible news. Amen? I want to close our celebration with one final viral video that I think has become my, my favorite. This was just released a couple of weeks ago, and it's already been viewed uh, over 15 million times. At that rate, it's being downloaded and viewed almost 1 million times a day. I think you'll quickly see why. It's about a guy named Matt who decided to dance across the world. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every continent, and simply invite the people he met to dance for joy with him. I think... This gives us a perfect picture of what our response to grace is supposed to look like. Because it cuts across national borders and ethnicities and languages. And one day, we're told all creation will rejoice in the grace of God.